What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to part one of a two-part series of The Wall Redux. Brought to you by Magnetic Eye. So yeah, we've got uh, a a bunch of bands that we're going to talk to who all participated in this covering of The Wall from front to back. So we're not going to waste a lot of time with our typical nonsense. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you're listening to, Brian. I'm not going to tell you what I'm listening to. Mm -mm. We've got much more interesting people to hear from. Nine of them. Mm, Eight of them. We got eight of them. Eight or nine. Eight or nine. There's, it's less than 15. <laughs> we might have more. Who knows? It's, uh, we've got Jad from Magnetic Eye. We've got Martin from Doncraft. I think he actually pronounced it Mart- Mart- I don't know. I can't do He's it. He's in Sweden. He's in Sweden, and he talks cooler than we do. Uh, we've got Eddie and Alex from Low Flying Hawks. We've got Tommy from Solace. We've got Tony from Mo- Moss Generator. See, I almost fucked it up again, Tony. Sorry. We've got Jason from ASG. We've got John and Amy. On the road right now, straight from, from the tour Zero bus. Of the Cobra. We've got Andy from Slim Kings. We've got Scott Reader. Yes, that's Scott Reader from Caius, The Obsessed, Fireball Ministry, and other things, as you will hear if you don't already know. So, uh, yeah, let's not waste any time. We are opening with Run Like Hell, done by Paul Bearer. Uh, that was the first song released from all this, I think. Uh, so you may have heard this already. If not, you're hearing it now. And if you listen to both parts, you're going to hear some unreleased music. That's, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Let's go. Take a listen. Jed, good morning. Good morning, guys. We, uh, we've got Jed with Magnetic Eye, Blues Funeral, and what's the third one? Sorry, I forgot it. Uh, Ripple Music. That's a new development. And uh, so apparently he's a busy guy with all three record labels. I'm sure he's got other things going on. Uh, we are on the phone with him today because he is a, uh, a big part in the upcoming The Wall Redux. The mad scientist. The mad scientist that helped put all this together. <laughs> so we figured before we dive into all these bands we're talking to, we'd have a, a talk with said scientist about how he put it all together. Take it away, Thanks. Jed. Well, what do you want to know? Where can I start? Um, it was uh, it was a beast. It yeah, was great. Well, yeah, where do you start? <laughs> That's the thing. Where do you start with such a thing? What you know? Did you did you tackle the the most prominent tracks first, or did you just start at one and? Well, I'll tell you. I was uh, I was debating whether or not to give you the the complete uh, brutal truth or the uh, the marketing uh, <laughs> softened version of the of the story. Um, so I'll try and uh, I'll try and tread the the line yeah. between them. But basically. Uh, you know, the owner of Magnetic Eye, Mike, he's, he's kind of the visionary. He comes up with, you know, crazy ideas much faster than I can keep up with. <laughs> and he pretty much had the idea for this on an afternoon. And by the time it went from his idea to, hey, this is a, a live campaign online that people are, are jumping on board to, to pledge and fund uh, helping us do it. You know, it was it was a matter of two hours, and the thing was already going by the time he said, "Okay, I got the next project. It's this, and we're going to do the wall, and we got thirty days, you know, to kind of pull this all together." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, it's a thirty day Kickstarter." <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, great. What's our, you know, what do we, what do we have? Who, do, who's on board? What's, what's our selling points? He's like, "We had nobody." <laughs> like, oh, all right. <laughs> Which means, you know, take it away, Jad. Now I got, <laughs> I've, I've got thirty days. To, I mean, don't get me wrong, he had done this a couple times and it had been really successful and people, I think, knew that. So right off the bat, there was going to be interest no matter, even if we didn't announce anybody or any 
committed band. But in my mind, I'm going, man, we really need to, you know, this is going to, this has a chance to be big, um, musically. And I'd love to get some really cool bands committed. Um, and so, you know, and then also kind of, I want to say like a little politically, uh, I thought the timing was great and it was really important to me personally, like, wow. Okay. Cause this, you know, this was February of 2017. So you're talking, you know, a month after the inauguration of the current administration and, and a lot of talk about walls and, right. and securing borders and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is, that's, that's pretty genius timing to kind of make somewhat of a, something of a subtle statement you know, as a label, Hey, this is what we're doing. Um, and so, you know, it just, I, I just, I just thought it was really important to, to really do, you know, to really pull something cool together. And so I just went, okay, let, let me think about this. Who, who would I love to have? Who would I love to hear covering as a fan covering Floyd? Who, who do I know that the, the people who listen to the stuff we put out would be into And So I just, I just got to work here. He got to work too. And both of us just went, okay, who would be our, you know, our pie in the sky, we could never imagine this happening, but let's try anyway type band. And that's where, you know, we started chasing uh, the likes of Paul Bearer and the Melvins and Greenleaf. I mean, it, honestly, I don't think we started out with the, those, those top tier bands in terms of like approaching them. I think I started going, right. Who, who would I love to have that? I think we might be able to get. Yeah. And that's, you know, and so that was sort of, uh, bands maybe a bit further along in their careers and with their fan bases than the real underground Stoner Rock and Doom bands, but maybe not, you know, not Melvin's level. Um, so, you know, we're approaching the likes of like ASG and Greenleaf, um, and you just, and just going and, and just, you know, the whole time, like the clock is ticking. It's like you got 30 days because, you know, this Kickstarter is going and you want to be able to keep putting out cool announcements like, oh, we just got these guys. Oh, we just got these guys. And so, uh, it was just, this mad scramble, you know, and, and a lot of bands were, were interested, but they didn't have the same sense of, of urgency. Like, Oh, we better answer them soon. So like Paul there was like, Oh yeah, we're, yeah, we, we might be interested. We'll let you know. And I'm going, oh, all right, it's uh, <laughs> 21 days left. All right. <laughs> I hope, they, hope they answer soon. That's uh, that, man, that that's, I didn't realize the whole 30 day time limit there. That's freaking crazy that it all worked out like it did. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there was no one saying this has to happen within 30 days. I was just personally thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could have this amazing lineup all to be able to roll out over the course of this 30 days during this campaign? Like I said, I mean, there were enough people that were into the idea that we were going to we were going to pass our, our initial funding goal to make it you know worth our while and show us there was enough interest in, to do it no matter what. But wouldn't it be amazing to really come out of the gate huge? And by the end of 30 days, go look, look what we assemble. Look what, look what you guys can look forward to if you, if you get on board with this thing. So nice. um, that was my motivation. And I mean, obviously you came through with a pretty fucking killer lineup here. Uh, I, I'd be remiss to not ask, was there anybody you took a swing at and couldn't get it together with? Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, tons of, tons of you know emails and and messages unresponded to a few kind of polite declines um i mean like everyone from 
let me think. Uh, Uncle Acid was on my list personally. Was uh, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be awesome? And right. you know, and I think and I think they actually got a nice kind of you know thanks for we're in the middle of twenty five different things kind of answer, which I understood completely. Uh, you know th- that sort of band. Um, I think maybe maybe I approached Whores. I can't even remember for sure. Um, it was a it was a it was a blur of a muck. Um, but yeah, so no, th- there were definitely some that 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 we we you know like you said swung and missed. Um, but at the same time, some of what we got was so mind blowing in my mind because like for example, Mark Lanigan is my favorite singer, and I mean he's been my favorite singer longer than I've been working for any of these labels or running this label or doing any of these types of projects. So uh, the, the idea that through kind of a fortunate connection, I was able to get a message to him and pitch him on this idea and that kind of what we were doing, that the timing worked out. Um, I think he finally, I mean, I think I was talking to him for the, over the course of the 30 days, but I don't think, I think we finally got a commit from him two days before the end of the Kickstarter. And, you know, and, and even that all, you know, still was, was not definite. We definitely had a couple of bands sign on that didn't end up materializing in the, in the coming year in terms of actually being able to do their song. And he was one of the ones that was on the, the edge. I mean, he basically said he was in. And then over the course of the year, the couple of things came up. He's like, Oh, my, my studio guys tearing down the studio. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in there. I don't know if I can do it by this time. I got these tours. I got this. I'm like, man, we'll work with you. You just, <laughs> just tell me what, what do you need? Can you, what if we get, what, you know, if, you, if you got till February, if you got till April, can, can you make it work? And then of course he, he finally did. And that was a cool one too, because not only did we get him, but I kind of handpicked his song um, be, because I immersed myself in the record, in the original, the Floyd, the wall. Which song was you that? Know, listening. So, it's a song called Nobody Home, which I will be completely honest. I don't think I ever paid attention to ever in the course of my, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Floyd fan, but there are a lot of Floyd songs that are not in, you know, in the top 40 right. <laughs> in my mind in terms of like the, the ones that I listen to or that I think about, or I really want, you know, let's go listen to that tune. But in the course of listening back through the wall over and over and over and over again, I had, you know, I had lists and lists of all the songs fans wanted and I was trying to kind of allocate who who might be good for this, who might be good for that. And there's a line, of, there's a lyric in there where where Roger Waters sings, "I got nicotine stains on my fingers." And I remember thinking, that just feels like a line Lanigan would write this kind of lonely, isolation type song, and, and saying something about nicotine stains on his fingers. I'm like, man. How sweet would that be if I could get him to do that tune? And then, obviously, when it worked out, I mean, you hear the song; it sounds it sounds like a Mark Lanigan song. I mean, if you know it's a Pink Floyd song, it's all the better. But if you didn't, you would just hear it and go, "That's just another great goddamn Mark Lanigan song." Right. It's uh, like I was telling you through the email there. I, I for me, the lyric was the uh, the thirteen channels of shit on the oh, TV. Yeah. That that was oh man, I'd never I'd never thought of Mark Lanigan doing Nobody Home Before. And I, it's always been, a, a, am not going to say one of my favorites, but it, it is a song that I've noticed more than twice and had a, a little spot in my heart for. And, yeah. you know, like I, I told you via email, I'd never thought of those two things in conjunction before. And now I don't know how I could ever live without them. 
Yeah, and, and we and we got lucky. We had a few there were a few moments like that uh, on this on this record. I mean, you know, it, it sounds sacrilegious to say this or that is better than the Floyd song because obviously these versions wouldn't exist without the Floyd versions. But there's something to be said for like I might listen to this version more than I've listened to than I've listened to the Floyd version of a few different tracks on here, like Greenleaf's uh, kind of merging of uh, another brick part three and goodbye cool world which again was another one that when we were looking they were on board and they were, or they were and we were kind of talking through song ideas they were actually considering doing a song that wasn't on the wall because we have the companion record of just the greatest tracks hits. from throughout the the floyd catalog and they were actually looking at other songs and i was really wanting i thought that they they really kind of warranted being on the main record and i again was listening through and, and kind of went wouldn't it be cool if we took these two short tunes and put them together and maybe they could just do what Greenleaf does with, <laughs> with, uh, with those songs. Um, I've known the guitarist, uh, and kind of, I think main songwriter from Greenleaf, Tommy. Um, I've actually known him for 20 years. I, I used to run a label called Meteor City and Meteor City released his old band Dozer. I think we were the first label ever to release anything from his first band. So that was 20 years ago. And we've been in touch since then. My old band toured with his old band. And, and so it was just, it was really kind of bringing things full circle for me to be able to, to, to have his new band, Greenleaf, who are phenomenal. Um, and I, I even think maybe a little better than Dozer um, on this record. And I really wanted to find a great spot for them. And man, did they deliver on those two songs. Well, man, we, uh, we appreciate you taking a couple minutes here early morning for you. Great uh, insight. Great insight. Yeah. I mean, we've heard it. And, you know, some bands, do a, a really good job of kind of reimagining some of these songs in their vein, and then other bands do a Got a stick. pretty straight-up version that yeah. is, you, you know, like ASG's mother is pretty straight-up, but it's still just goddamn excellent in its own right. And uh, I agree. You know, thank you for putting forth all the work and having a hectic month getting it all put together. And allowing us being a part of, you know, getting this, getting the word out about it and, you know, helping oh, us. Oh, and likewise. I, I I'm anxious to hear what some of the other the other the bands that you're going to talk to have to say about their stuff. I mean, I've gotten a little bit of insight from some of them, and some of them I really have no idea, you know, how they did what they did. So I'll be interested to <laughs> to listen back to, to the insights you pull from them. All right. Because... Um, I mean, this was a good year and a half of my life was pretty heavily invested in this. So obviously it's really close to my heart and, and I'm stoked about the way it came out. And I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, appreciative of, of all the interest in it. And, and I really want to hear what the, the, the band themselves had to say as well. So that makes three of us. All right. Well, we got a big day lined up for all that to happen. So hopefully we do it awesome. justice, man. Thanks, Chad, for talking with us. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Take it easy. Bye. We got Martin from Domcraft on the line. How you doing, Martin? I'm fine, thanks. Go ahead and let everyone know what song you did and you know how you how you went about it. Uh, we did the Empty Spaces from the Wall album with Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. uh, from the new Redux from Magnetic Eye. Um, how we did it? Uh, <laughs> that's a big question. Yeah. Uh, immediately when we heard about this, uh, we went to. Uh, be part of it, of course. Uh, we're all Pink Floyd fans in the band. Pink Floyd was actually one of the first 
bands, the first records that I bought, I was like 10 when I started listening to them. So for us, it was a huge thing. Uh, it took a while to figure out what song to do, actually. Uh, there were numerous artists that wanted to come along. So there were some discussions and uh, yeah, things like that. Uh, when, it, when it turned out to be this song, uh, it took a while just to think about how to do it, you know? Right. Uh, we've been listening to this album for like 20 years, all of us, uh, in a creative process. You know, to do something else with an iconic song like this one, it's hard. So it, it took some time in our rehearsal space just to <laughs> break it down and destroy it and build it up again. Uh, but we're happy with the, with the result how it ended up. Yeah, we are too. That's a uh, it's it's a it's true to the original, but it also sounds you know kind of like you guys put your own spin on it. Exactly, exactly. It, um, we did it with uh, Christopher Foulin, the Purple Skull producer that did our last album. Uh, he's got a very good setup in his studio. It's very tight. You stand close to each other. Uh, we've been recording there for years, so it's very familiar for us. We just turned everything up and recorded as we usually do, and it's quite similar sound-wise, I think, to our uh, End of Electricity album. You can almost hear that it's recorded with Christopher and in, in the same environment, so to speak. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's certainly got you guys' spin on it. What... um. What made you decide on that, so, on Empty Spaces? Actually, we didn't know what to say. When they, when they said that we could come along and do a song, we didn't know which one to pick. I don't even know if we uh, were asked <laughs> <laughs> which one you wanted to do, because we knew that there would be a, a Best Of album, too. Uh, and to do one of these dates, as we are doing on that one, too, there is a Best of Pink Floyd that comes along with the album for people buying it from vinyl. Uh, and we're doing uh, One of These Days there, which is one of my favorite songs ever. And uh, a song that's been very important, at least to me, but I think to all of us in the band. Uh, as uh, understanding the genre, playing music for years, and to create uh, the Domecraft sound in itself. So uh, that was one of the things that we were very... That we really wanted to do. Nice. Uh, and then when we, after a while, uh, discussing with the label, when we got to see what bands and what artists, artists that picked different songs, uh, when this one came up, Empty Spaces, it's a short one. I don't know if you listen to our records. Most of our songs are like eight or nine or ten minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we have. It's really, really tricky for us to do something that's one or one and a half minutes. Right. We don't know how to. <laughs> no, we don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> that was, of course, a challenge, you know, to to um, break that's, down um, that's interesting. our way of playing into 75 seconds. Right. <laughs> Take eight minutes <laughs> and jam tricky. it into a minute and a half. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, speaking of you guys' stuff, um, that was just last week that Flood came out, right? Yeah, I did. Let's uh, l- let's talk about that for a second before we wrap this up. Yeah. How uh, how long were you guys? You know, how long did it take to put that together? That is a it's what eight songs, and all of them are eight or nine minutes long, except for I think one yeah. is a little bit shorter. Yeah, exactly. 
some of the psalms we've been we've, we've been working with some of them for years actually small parts of them at least um we started working with a new album almost immediately after recording the last one that's how we do uh usually and uh, this one was recorded in a new studio with a new producer Jonas Hattenen at the studio in the in Sweden and he's he's really a great guy we talked to him before going there and we knew much about how he works you mean know, to be like Steve Albini he doesn't speak too much uh, <laughs> uh he's got a great studio in in uh, an old factory building uh, outside of town, North Shopping, uh, where you can play as loud as you want. You can you won't see another human being for weeks if you're staying there. Uh-huh. Uh, so we just took our material and all our gear and we went over there and recorded for a few days. And yeah, it felt felt really good. And he's he's a great guy, just talking about music too. Uh, he doesn't say that, man. He's co-produced by us. That's all our albums we, we do. That's how we work. Uh, but yeah. we got a really good thing going with Jonah. I'm sure we will record with him again. Uh, it was, as I haven't said to some other people in some other interviews, it, it's been a rough year. There's been some people, friends and family, passing away. Uh, people died <laughs> around us in the band, so Sorry, there was that, a lot yeah. of grief and hard work to do like that. Uh, and you can sometimes, at least for us, you can hear that in the music, actually. That yeah. There is something that is a bit sad and a bit tired. Uh, but now, like a year afterwards, I think sounds, there's something beautiful about that, too. So, uh, But you can hear that. Yeah, there, there's definitely sadness and anger in the music, and, and it comes from that. Uh, yeah, a lot of powerful stuff comes from sadness and anger, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it is. So you can, of course, create sadness and anger, but there is something special about it being there for real being during genuine. the creative process. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so now will you, will you go on tour for this stuff. album? You guys, um, you guys going to take off on tour or anything? Or you said you go from one album to the next. Or are you going to? You gonna support it? Or oh, you guys been playing. We, we all have small kids, so we can't go touring for a long time. So okay. We usually do fly-ins. Uh, we do one or two shows, so, and then we go home again. Okay. Uh, we went over to the States. We played Cycle Las Vegas and just went back. We've been uh, playing Germany a few times, and Denmark and Norway, and and that's how we do, actually, most of the time. We don't do we don't tour like that. We play one or two shows. Well, do, do us a favor. Sweden. Do us a favor. Grab The Haunted. You guys come over here to Columbus, Ohio, you and The Haunted, and we'll be, we'll be sure to, to sell it out for you. No, thank you, thank you. <laughs> we are planning something like that for nineteen now. Oh, uh, that'd be great. We we have been pla- playing Europe mostly now, of course. Uh, we did the one of the best festivals in Europe right now. I think it's Hustaba, the Norwegian Oslo-based festival where we played a few weeks ago. We did Desert Fest in Belgium a week ago, and do we do in Fall of Man next week? A great festival in, in Munich, and oh, we have some things going on now too. But uh, we are planning to go to over to play US during 2019. We're not sure about when and how yet. So <laughs> Who cares about that part? Yeah, going that, on, <laughs> the when and how is not important. Just as yeah. long as it happens. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, you know, I don't come to think of it. I don't think we've mentioned yet. Martin is in, if it doesn't come across in his accent, Martin is in Sweden. This is our first international call. No, second. So that's Canada. Yeah. This is our first real international. Yeah, real international, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, that's an honor. <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie to you. I had to Google how to make an international call before yep. we called you. Oh, okay. okay. Seems to work out. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, we really enjoy the new album. I highly recommend it on Thank our you. end. And we really enjoy what you did with Empty Spaces there on the, the Redux album. And yeah. Uh, well, obviously, we appreciate you taking a couple minutes here of your time. Uh, if there's anything else you wanna you want us to relay, feel free to throw that in. No, that would just be uh, thanks a lot for inviting us in and, and telling people about our music. And I hope I'll see you guys when we get over there to play. That all makes right. three of us. <laughs> all right. <laughs> thanks, Martinet. You have a okay. good day. All right, man. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, we got Tony from Moss Generator on the li- Generator on the line. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good. All right. Um, so, what song did you do, and how'd you come about it? You know, what? How'd you how'd you do this thing? Well, it was Goodbye Blue Sky, which um, was actually this uh, it was a hard choice when I saw that the album was that it was conceived. This was like going to go down, and and. I was immediately, I, th- I think I went and borrowed my buddy's classical guitar like within the hour or two of the announcement because I wanted to be on it and I wanted to submit the song as our submission. I already got it done. Like I did it within like the first eight hours that it was announced. <laughs> yeah, we heard. So, um, <laughs> it was like, um, but it was, you know, of course that's a hard choice, but uh, when my son was young, we would watch the wall and that was his favorite song on the record not to mention it's super cool and uh so that one was a pretty uh easy choice that one or don't leave me now which would have been my other choice um so you know i got to do it and show it to him and oh yeah that's, he said it was cool but um yeah i did it probably in three or four hours <laughs> we have a note here yeah you had it done by the afternoon right <laughs> yeah i was like okay i want to be on this thing you know so and uh, i mean I, I if i would have known we had quite a bit more time i might have tried to get the, i might have done another type of version with the full band yeah you know um and so i mean and there always comes these like uh when i do covers and really put them out there there's always this kind of argument about, not an argument, but those people take certain stances on how they want to hear a cover. And I have a tendency to do them as close to the original as possible because it's easy for me to do it in my style, but it's, 
I learned something from doing it in the original style. That's not how I probably would have played it. So I learned a little bit about finger picking on a classical guitar or how he might have put some chords together or the vocal harmony stacks. I, you know, so when I do covers, I try to do it in performance and in production style exactly like the original. I, I'd say um, you, uh, I'd say you did a pretty fucking bang up job with this one, buddy. In a couple hours, right? <laughs> thank you, thank you. And it was, I mean, I know the album so well that it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult actually. Did you already know the yeah, riffs like, and the guitar parts? What's and everything? that? Did you already know the guitar parts? Just. No, no, I just, I mean, they weren't that hard. Right. So that's, that's another good thing, you know, there's, well, in general, Pink Floyd, if you're wanting to cover them, the hardest part is to get the feel. The performances aren't that difficult, really. But yeah. the feel and how they connected as four, or, you know, on this album, it was probably some other players. Right. You know, like it wasn't just the four of them, but, um, uh, Floyd is fairly simple to do, but they just had such a great uh, chemistry together to, to make something that was unique. And uh, and this one was probably more of just, you know, I, I'm assuming that most of that's David Gilmore doing, you know, all those parts and the vocal probably, and Rick Wright and Gilmore doing the vocals. Uh, who knows, though, really? There seems to be a lot of secrets uh, in the Pink Floyd recording archives right you know? I, I mean is this um, a... I, go ahead go ahead and, I, and who knows who bob ezrin had do some of these things i'm sure he brought in people that he thought might work you know right for um, you'd, you'd love to have who, a book come out about all this stuff but it's starting to look like that's never going to happen never going to happen it, it'll yeah, destroy I mean, some th of the there are, there are a lot of things are revealed you know so it, at least there is some stuff up, out there, unlike, you know, Kubrick making The Shining. Like, that, there's so many mysteries in that. I've been tripping on that lately, like watching all those weird documentaries about the the hidden messages in The Shining, you know? Right. So, I mean, but there's, but there's a lot of those kind of cases in, in rock music. Like, they would bring in other players, you know, uh, that you never knew about. Yeah. I, make, I, I, make, I, I'm agreeing with you, but that's not actually something I knew regularly that's pretty weird you know so uh floyd a big influence on you uh after a certain point in my life i didn't like them when i was young they were one of those things i rebelled against because they were what everybody in school liked and uh you know they were on the radio all the time and then i heard metal and i heard echoes and i was like oh okay and i saw pompeii when I was like, you know, in my early twenties and I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Right. Like, you know, and now I'm, I'm, you know, I have all the albums and a bunch of weird, you know, bootlegs and stuff like that. So yeah, I would say that I'm a pretty big fan at this point. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for what they did uh, up to, up to the wall. Actually, the final cut's okay, but I think the wall's a masterpiece. Oh, for absolute sure. masterpiece. You know? Yeah. It's, I don't think it's, it's I don't think you get a lot of people and, arguing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just they made some really amazing work. Not a big fan of everything after Roger left. No, no, not so much. I think it just turned a little too slick. Not, uh, nice. To there wasn't enough. There was enough edge on it. Yeah. And I don't. And although I really, re and I really respect Gilmore, I think that he 
if if it would have continued with Sid Barrett, they would have made maybe a couple more records, maybe, and they would have just nobody wouldn't have had that anymore. Right. I really, if 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 Gilmore didn't enter the picture and really melodically start to take over, then they would have just fizzled out. You know, he's he was a secret weapon. Gilmore, Big time. vocally, yeah, vocally, guitar playing, all that stuff. To me, that's the, that's how I see it. Of course, of course, Waters is doing all the the writing in it, but without you know Gilmore's kind of interpretation and and stuff on top of it, it, it I don't think it would have worked out the same. You know, that's a yeah, that's an interesting take on it. I've never never really thought about it from that side. Um, but I suppose enough about those guys. What's going on with you guys? Oh, well, let's see. We had a pretty good year so far. Did a lot of touring, U.S. touring. You know, we went out with Fu Manchu earlier this year for three weeks, and we did five weeks in the U.S., and then we went and played Hellfest in France in June, I believe it was. We played in front of like 20,000 people. Wow. You know, it was pretty pretty wild, actually. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like I can imagine. uh, we had Judas Priest's backline behind the back. I saw Halford's motorcycle and stuff backstage. <laughs> uh, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. But, right? So, yeah, we did came home, and uh, when, when the new album came out in, in the early summer, and so we've been kind of rolling around the state, pushing that. You know, we just got back from the U.S. tour, tour of Canada in U.S., and uh, we're in the middle of recording. a. Well, somebody wanted us to actually record a whole Pink Floyd record re-record it metal actually oh and, really uh, we can't our drummer lives in texas so we don't find the time to actually reproduce somebody's record in its entirety you know right if we had a if we had a week we could pull it off but uh but we did record it they accepted that we were going to record an album of freeform jam which is unlike us we, we try to release records Alongside our ma- our main records, we release like side records of different styles. Like we re- re- released a hardcore record, and we released a record where we recorded it in an airplane hangar with uh, extra members, you know. And uh, so we we do all these weird things. And so the next one is just freeform jam. We got like an album coming out of leftover stuff, and then a, a live album. So we're still going to be working even though we're going to the tour cycle for the year is almost over we're getting ready to go out again up the coast with Fu Manchu here next I think it's in a week or so we leave and uh, so that's you know only a week or week run up the states I mean up the west and uh, then we we don't have anything for three or four months and so we'll we'll compile these records and get them ready for release next year and uh, I'll do some writing in in other projects as well. Nice. Uh, I've got three or four records coming out hopefully next year in, in other bands as well. So good God! Uh, so you're not busy or anything, right? <laughs> nah, I'm too I'm too old to not be busy. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. T- times times are ticking, man. I'm like I just I just see it as I've got some really great opportunities. My life is made for 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 music. So if I don't take full advantage of the time that I have, then I, when I get old, I'll look back and regret not taking that time. So I'm still creative. I'm like, okay, I'll be 50 in January. 
I'm still creative. I'm still, I'm a better player than I've ever been in my life. And I have the opportunity, uh, in this, in the scene that I'm in and in the life that I live to make music every day. So I get up early every day and I come and make it or I work because I mix records and all that kind of stuff. So I work in music every day. If you, uh, if you listen not very closely, you can hear Brian and I being insanely jealous of your life. (laughs) Oh, it's, well, you know, my wife really is a big part of why I can do this. You know, so she's a hundred percent supportive of, of, uh, what I do and, and allows me to, to take off for months at a time. Or if I feel a creative urge, you know, I can take the recording sessions that make money and put them on the side till I get whatever I need to get done, you know, and then I can get back to it and put my money on the, on the island in the kitchen. You know, you know what I mean? Like, okay. So she just makes sure that, that I can do this because she knows it's really, you know, that's what I do. Yeah. That, Tony, so. you have given us, uh, in the 10 minutes or so that we've talked to you here, you've given us some words of wisdom there with the whole time's ticking thing. You've given us uh, insight on a life that we're both jealous of, and you've given us insight on how a relationship should work. Look at that. Dude, you are yeah. like the American standard. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm blessed. I try, I try not to forget that, and I try not to take advantage of it, you know. You know, human, you know, like the human nature sometimes makes that difficult, you know, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I can see it for, for everything that it is, you know, so I try to stay positive. That, uh... It's hard when you're sick. Started when you're sleeping in a van every night on tour. <laughs> I've got a great van though too. I mean, like they're we 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 have a lot of good times and laugh and we when when stuff gets bad like it, for everybody it does on tour. Some things just aren't as fun as others, and everybody stays in a good spot, you know. So I can't really complain about any of that, you know. Uh, you are. You're you're officially the man as far as we're concerned. We uh we appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your Saturday for us. You know, again, apologies yeah, for man. the the confusion on the time zone thing there. Um, <laughs> I should know better than that by now, but uh, <laughs> you know, you just just never know. Yeah, but yeah, we uh we appreciate you taking a couple minutes. We uh we look forward to what Moss Generator has coming forward. We certainly enjoy your your version of Goodbye Blue Sky, and uh, look forward to doing this again sometime. Hopefully. Well, I, I thank you for taking the time to include me in this. Appreciate it. The pleasure is all ours. And have a fucking fantastic <laughs> Saturday, man. Bye, Tony. I'll do my best. Thank you. Okay, so we have Eddie and Alex on the line. They are with Low Flying Hawks. Guys, tell us about what song you did on this uh, The Wall Redux, and we'll go from there. Perfect. So so we worked on the Thin Ice. That's the second song in the first part of the record. And we, we, I mean, we chose the Thin Ice 
I mean, we were not a big, big fans of the second part of the Pink Floyd era. Mainly, I think starting from the wall till till the end. So we chose a song that had some sort of appeal to us, and we 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 really liked the the, the thin ice. And and I mean, we, we were really big fans of the first part of Pink Floyd era with uh, Sid Barrett. Really, that was our main main uh, Pink Floyd stuff that we loved. But I mean, we 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 try to give it a. a I mean, we try to. To, to take the tin ice and, and put it into the low-flying Cox grinder and make it sound like like us, but with the, with the Pink Floyd influence, right? But we never we we always tried to make it sound like it was us. We never tried to to do a real cover song, you know? Yeah, so we're that's, just... what, that's what we think about covers. I mean, we hate when people try to copy the cover because that that's just ridiculous to us. It's like, uh, why would you want to hear something identical? With another band, when when the band you like is the original band, you know, so that was our main approach, I think. Uh, yeah, I like how you guys did it too, where it's kind of laid back there in the front and then kind of hits there at the halfway mark. Can you talk a little bit about how you broke the song down? Did you start okay? Let's see what the drums are going to sound like, and then you know work your way up from there. Or, you know, wh- where did you where do you start at a, at a song like this to make it your own? I think the, the approach and, and the, one of the first things that we heard about the song is that it has like a, a bit of a doom sound when it breaks down and, and with, with, the, with the drums on the original song. So that's where the, all the, the, the ideas start to come from because we, we wanted something that could, we could approach in, in, in our style. So we thought the first part could be something really mellow and really soft and really acoustic. And then we could jump into the doom, heavy, slow, Thing that's that's our thing, you know. So when we were picking the song, that that's the first thing that jumped at us, and and we really liked that 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 we could get into a sort of a trance on the second half, and that's what exactly what we did. I mean, originally the song lasted like eight minutes or so, so we had to edit it down because we really like to go into like this sort of trance with with heavy sounds and heavy drums, and that was the idea they had also. They're doing something really trancy, doomy, you know, uh, droney kind of uh, kind of sound. Yeah. But respecting all the all the mellowness and the sadness that the that the song, the original song brings. We wanted to respect all the feelings, all, all the all the messages the song had. Yeah. But with our approach always. Yeah, that, that's that's always. I mean, I've never had to take do this task, but I can't even imagine interpreting a Pink Floyd song. Right. So my hat's off to everyone on this album, including you guys, that are to just digest this thing and regurgitate it as something completely new and actually good, you know? Yeah, and actually nail it. Um, I want to... Come, you don't hear it a lot when people say that they're more... It's just not as common to hear that somebody's more into the Sid Barrett era than the Roger Waters, Gilmore era. Uh, give us a little bit on that. Oh, by far. I mean... Definitely, I mean, we don't even like the the, the, the last era of the Pink Floyd. The, of Pink Floyd. I mean, we like Roger Waters. We don't like him on his own. I mean, actually, we don't like anything he's done on his own, okay. so, and and anything Gilmer's done on his own. I mean, what, what we really feel is the sweet spot in terms of Pink Floyd is probably Piper, Saucerful, Moore, Atom Heart Mother, all the way up maybe till Dark Side of the Moon, which is. A great record, but it's been played to, to I mean, to death. So it kind of, kind of like 
tired of it now because everybody plays it all the time. So right. when and even if the best records you, I mean, it's like Stairway to Heaven, man. It's a great song. How many times can you listen to it? You know, and then <laughs> I the radio agree. Was banging it all every day. It's like it gets a little, a little, I mean, tiresome. So what we really like about the Sid Barrett era and the first half of Pink Floyd on all, all the way up to maybe Animals is the is the, the psychedelic and the and the super acid approach. The experimental part of Pink Floyd. They 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 they, they took uh, what what happening in the world and they just uh, experiment over it and then they created something. And and they're super spacey and I mean we we, we love the the, spa the spatial sounds. All these acid-infused ideas that Sid has, combined with the rigidity of, of Roger Waters and the mellowness of David Gilmour, that we think that was amazing. And then, I mean, the drums and the keyboards are also super, super spacey. We really love them. The the, the, the jazzy approach of the, on the drums, and then the, this like um, Moog-infused uh, classical stylings on the synth is also super cool. And then, I mean, we're really big Cockwin and uh, Black Sabbath fans, and we think that they they sort of had some of these elements on the more era and on the maybe heavy riffs that they sometimes used. We wish that they would have approached the rest of the records with that some sort of approach. It would be an amazing Pink Floyd. Yeah, and not so theatrical when yeah. they, were, they started with the wall. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we don't like about that, that late era Pink Floyd, the theatrical and right. the mellowness. Um, Inter very interesting. Very cool. interesting. Yeah, it, uh, you had me enthralled for a minute there. And I, I mean, <laughs> um, well, I suppose enough about those guys. Let's talk about you guys. What uh, what <laughs> does No Flying Hawks have going on? We have a we have a an EP on on the way. We already uh, did it. It turned on. Amazing! It's uh, more experimental, more. Uh, you you listen to it, you're gonna like it. I think so. Yeah, we we loved it, and it's uh, we think it's gonna be out uh, maybe in a couple of months. Yeah, in a couple of months, maybe um, early next year or maybe or late this year. Or late this year, and uh, we're we're trying to we're we're starting to produce and uh, record and compose a uh, volume three that is. Uh, Volume three of, uh, of of the trilogy in the Japanese uh, in all the Japanese uh, culture based uh, music, uh, and it's turning great also. Yeah, we're gonna be recording that probably at end of the year, and it's gonna be the last part of the of the trilogy we've been working on, which is uh, Kofuku Genkaku, and this third one. What? And it's all it's like it's a cycle, it's a whole cycle uh, of of. Very based on the Sisyphus uh, myth, which is the the the, the pushing the stone, uh, then watching it roll and then starting again. So it's like hope and depression and anxiety and then and then darkness. Damn. So basically, that's the whole idea for the trilogy. And and this is the last. This is gonna be the last album of, of the trilogy. We have this EP in between the second and the third album. And the, this third album is going to come probably late next year. And we're, we're really excited. I mean, it has the same sort of approach, maybe a different kind of feel, maybe a little bit darker because this is the last part on the trilogy. And, 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 and then that, that we're really excited. We're going to be putting this out with Magnetic Eye next year. And the EP is going to come out this year. 
Uh, artwork is, uh, we're very excited to, to have worked with Branca Studio for the artwork. Uh, it's going to be cool. I think it's going to be great. Man, yeah. you guys are busy. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, hell, I'm looking forward to it now. Um, so I guess to kind of wrap this up, what, uh, to people who might not know all that much about you guys, how would you describe your sound? I think we're a cross between Swans, Black Sabbath, uh, and all the European European doom, doom from the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. and probably a little Hawkwind. And, and some shoegaze also. And, and, and my blood and Valentine. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't like to give uh, uh, names, but I mean, I think that's sort of the only way. But we played Doom, doom combined with country music, combined with <laughs> jazz, combined with. I mean, we, we try to put all the elements we listen to. We're big fans of Miles Davis, and we're big fans of John Coltrane, and all of the. All, I mean, the, the jazz, Alice Coltrane. We love jazz, but we also love metal. We're very into Black Sabbath. We're very into Swans and My Bloody Valentine and, and the Shoegaze. And the darkness uh, of Bokren. And we love Bokren and the Crew of Gore. And I mean, we're into everything. So we try to make like a big mix of everything we like. And then we craft everything from there. How many? So, so, yeah, we play a kind of um, Shoegaze infused Doom, maybe. <laughs> how many, of, how many are, are there of you in the band? We're four. Okay. So it's uh, us two on the guitars and uh, vocals, and then uh, Dale on the drums and Trevor on the bass. And Toshi uh, sometimes, uh, I mean, he works on, on the record, so he produces, but then he records stuff, and I mean, it's all mixed up. <laughs> that Dude, we, uh, I almost feel like we bit off more than we could chew talking to you guys. I, <laughs> I got... We got a thorough <laughs> lesson in Pink Floyd. We got a thorough lesson in all the shit you guys got going on. We are now smarter. Yeah, this has been a ton of fun, fellas. <laughs> uh, we certainly thanks. look forward to talking to you again further down the line, and thanks for taking a couple minutes with us today. Thank you. Thank you, and hope, we hope you like the, the, the new records, and we hope you listen to the old ones as well. We, we think they're really cool. We certainly will, and like I said, I, I hope to talk to you again soon sometime. Hopefully. Thank you very much, Clint. Take Thank it easy, you, fellas. Clint. Bye. Take care. Thanks. Bye. And we're here with Tommy from Solace, uh, guitar, right? Uh, guitar player, yep. Nice. And uh, Tommy, tell us what song you did on this, The Wall Redux, uh, along with uh, you know the inspirations or whatnot for it and all that fun stuff. Uh, well, uh, the inspiration of doing it was just the fact that you know we're huge fans. I mean, I've been a fan. I, I, I got The Wall when I was probably, I don't know what year was that, 79 when it came out so i was just a you know a little dude uh i think I, my mother got it for me for easter actually nice so i it, never got anything that cool for easter <laughs> yeah it's just you know i showed up at easter morning and then i had the wall in my easter basket which was pretty, <laughs> which was pretty rad right and the flesh by the way is is the song that right solace did so yeah i mean and that 
that song that we did in the flesh. I mean, it's just one of the one of the heavier songs on the album. So I was always we always kind of gravitated towards the heavier stuff when I was a kid, Sabbath and Zeppelin. So that song itself was like, you know, one of the heavier jams on that record. It's so it seemed uh, kind of fitting to to do that. Yeah, it's it's you know it's like the second time in the flesh comes around too, and it's definitely the heavier version with it with some fun, uh, not PC lyrics in there too. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's pretty weird because uh, the state of the world right now with everything that's going on with uh, in politics and whatnot. I mean, it's that song's pretty, it's pretty topical, right? You know? it, um, now it's my understanding that this. Uh, the the guy singing on it this is kind of his coming out party with solace yeah yeah this is our new singer uh justin goins um i used to work with him actually it's how i it's how i know him he was actually in a kind of a garage band like a garage surf band called the brimstones completely different vibe than what solace is but you know we were asked to do this and so we uh he had already sang on one song. We did a, a song for a, a, a Sabbath tribute. We did a, a cover version of uh, Electric Funeral, and he sang on that for us. But we weren't really planning on doing the band after we did that, but he sang so well on that. And our bass player, Bobby, was just like, hey, you think he can sing the, 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 the standard solid stuff? So we said, hell, let's give it a go. And we've been kind of plugging away at it a little bit over here, and it working out perfectly and the new songs he sounds pretty goddamn good on if i say so myself <laughs> that's so awesome we're uh, pretty happy we're pretty happy with the way it's going yeah tell us more about that uh you know we we got uh we did our two cents there with the the floyd tribute thing but let's hear what solace has got going on yeah so we're currently in the studio we're uh working on a uh, uh, new album it's uh pretty much done musically um we're working on the vocals right now we got a couple songs more to do and uh nine new tunes you know it's typical heavy riffs heavy groove yes typical solid stuff you like you know the big riff the big groove crunchy we're looking forward to getting it out it's gonna be pretty killer that yeah no we're uh good lord we're both sitting on the edge of our seat excited to hear it now <laughs> that you're, you're speaking our language you and i both you and i both <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm, I want to get it done yesterday. It's, it's, uh, you know, the, the studio that we work with that we've pretty much done a lot of our, a lot of our recording at here in uh, New Jersey tracks East. Uh, they're just, they're booked, they're booked solid for like months out in advance. So we're just sneaking in whenever we can to try to get whatever little bit of, uh, of the, of the material recorded. So we're doing it in drips and drabs whenever we can get in there, but it's kind of actually working to our advantage because we've actually had some time to take it home and sit with it and listen to it and pinpoint some things that, yeah, that works. No, that's not working. You know, let's fiddle with this. That's perfect. Let's leave that. So even though it's a bit of a lengthy process, I think it's, uh, in the end, it's going to, it's going to be uh, to our benefit. Cool. At, um, so I know that solace isn't your first band. You've had a, a couple different maturations over your musical career. Haven't you? Yeah, I've, I've I've been whacking away at this nonsense since the early '80s. So you know, <laughs> I've been in a bunch of bands, uh, bands that some people have probably never heard of, and bands that some people may have heard of. Um, I've been in hardcore bands, thrash bands, you know, punk bands, metal bands, 
So, yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for forever and a day, and I'm still whacking at it into my 50s now, you know? <laughs> oh, man. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm guess what they, what you would call a lifer. Yeah. I, dude, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. <laughs> I love it too. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. That makes <laughs> all was, the sense in the world, I, right? If I was smart, I should have went to like veterinary school and been a vet. You know, <laughs> this is a sentence <laughs> I didn't I, expect to hear. Today. Then I might have some money in the bank. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> um. So, you have a a title or anything for this upcoming album? Uh, we're actually working with a couple working titles. Um, one of the titles is um, "Broken Bodies and Suffering Spirits." Ooh. That does and sound heavy. The <laughs> other, the other title is uh, "The Brink," and both of them have kind of different meanings. It's pretty weird because, you know, I grew up in New Jersey on the ocean and on the on the beach, and I've people have always tried to connect me to like this Jersey Shore sound, or you know, when we were in hardcore bands, they used to call us Shorecore, huh. and I used I used to like rebel against it, but somehow this record is taken on this like nautical vibe almost which i used to i probably would have consciously rejected it throughout my life as a you know a musician but we're kind of embracing it it's kind of uh it wasn't really on purpose but some of the risks we started they writing they were kind of like almost like sea shanty like so it's got this like weird kind of nautical underlying nautical theme to some of the riffs and some of the lyrics and uh, it's pretty cool actually yeah hell we're we're officially looking Intriguing. forward to it yeah um right on, right on. to i suppose to kind of bring things full circle here uh speaking of you know growing up and all that what kind of you know what kind of influence was floyd on you growing up and how did you end up being a part of this album well like i said i i was i was lucky when i was growing up but when I was in like second grade, I had an uncle who lived with us. He lived in my attic <laughs> yeah. and, you know, he had the big Afro and he, had, he <laughs> wore like, you know, leather moccasins and like, you know, manlets, like leather manlets. And I used to go up into his room when he would go to work and I'd go through his record collection. And that's where I first heard, you know, uh, Hendrix and Grand Funk and Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd, you know, so that was an early early influence on me i mean i don't know my life might be completely different if my uncle dan didn't live with us <laughs> and i was able to go up there and and uh steal his records and uh also uh occasionally dip into his shoebox full of weed <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> right next to the record I, I was just lucky i had those early influences i mean I, literally i was in second grade listening to paranoid and my mind was just like you know, my mom listened to like pop music and AM radio and that was fine until I heard this stuff and it literally just blew my brains out. And I was just like, mom, I need a guitar. I need to play guitar. Like, I want to, I want to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hats off to Dan for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I tell him all the time when I see him. Matter of fact, I still have his copy of Sabbath Paranoid in my record collection to this day. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Should have monograph it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, how did you guys end up on in the flesh? Um, I, you know, we worked with Jad from Meteor City back in the day when he was running the label, and I guess he's now working with Mike at Magnetic Eye. So Jad reached out to us and was said, "Hey, 
Are you guys willing to participate in this, you know, the, the wall redo here? And we said, sure. And he said, well, what song do you want to do? And I asked the guys in the band and it was pretty unanimous. Actually, our, our drummer, Timmy, was really adamant about it. He's like, no, no, we do the longer version of In the Flesh. Nice. That's... So we just said, OK, we're in. That's, That's fucking cool. End of story. I, I wouldn't have expected it to work out like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a no-brainer. You know, really, they asked, we said yes. That's you gotta love it when a plan comes yeah, together. Say, that's pretty about as straightforward as it goes. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, Tommy, we we uh we appreciate you taking a couple minutes out of your Saturday for us. Like I said, we'll keep it uh, quick and to the point, and let no you get worries, back to guys. what you're doing. Thanks, thanks for uh thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for talking with us. We look forward to doing it again sometime. Sounds good. Anytime. You got Thank my you. number. Take it All easy, right. Tommy. All, All right. right, cheers, guys. And that concludes part one of this two-part series. Oh boy, I am uh, I don't know if I can handle that much more excitement. <laughs> We're gonna do this back to back. Holy shit! Here we go. Okay, well, uh, just in case you take a break in between listening, uh, you can still find us on all the social channels: Instagram, spot, uh, Instagram, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we are on Spotify. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, email, subscribe, uh, like us, subscribe to us, uh, all the things that I usually say that make sense that I'm not saying in a sensible manner this time. Because we've been doing this for hours. We've got an email. <laughs> it is eostupidity at gmail. We will talk to you in just a couple minutes with part two of all this. Until then, Paul Bear is going to take us out with some more of Run Like Hell. Bye-bye. <laughs>